What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 73 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I know we are just a couple weeks away from the National Hockey League returning. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he's extremely excited that week zero of the college football season is upon us. Frank, how are we doing? You know, every time you do that intro, I think of Enzo and Cass. <laughs> like every time. That's where it comes from. Oh, okay. That is where I know you it, mentioned that a while ago, but it's like it I can never get it out of my head. It comes from two things it's that and the Section 10 podcast. And he's seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller. Yeah. Yeah. That's I where get it comes it. From. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I got one of my special hats on. Tell everyone about that hat, where you got it, what it means to you. Well, G actually got it for me. For my birthday, my girlfriend G, uh, whose real name's Giovanna. It's the Maryland Terrapins, which is just another fancy name for a turtle. I really like it. There's really no college team that I wouldn't wear, and I like unique hats like this. So I'm I'm kind of glad that it was just a hat that was out there. It wasn't a Michigan State or an Alabama or a Clemson. It was a Maryland Terrapins hat. So I couldn't be more excited. Speaking of the Big Ten, Northwestern plays against Nebraska in Ireland this weekend. You excited? Now I am. I didn't know about that. So, yeah. wow. Is that the first time college has traveled across? No, the- no, 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 no. I believe they play a game in Ireland once every like five years or so. I know I know it's not every single year, but yeah, week zero kicks off on Saturday with Nebraska and Northwestern. Two Big Ten Two medium Big Ten teams playing against each other in Ireland. I'm excited. Why did they to watch call it. it Week Zero? Because it's not Week One. Whoever plays in Week Zero won't play in Week One. It's like Week One is all of zero through one. If that makes sense. So yeah, they should have just did a long Week One then. They did. It is. That's what it is. But we. Because it's not preseason. Frank. Frank, have you ever heard of marketing or like you know you know just trying to come up That's with something creative? Cheesy. A little cheesy. Everything involved with sports marketing is a little cheesy, and I'm sure like none of the big teams will play. Like they'll probably have like that one big game, but like you're not going to have the cream of the crops in week zero. Uh, there was one year I can't remember if it was last year or the year before Alabama played against uh Oklahoma. I want to say, which is just a ginormous college football matchup. Here, let me let's take a look at the schedule. I mean, if that's how you want to intro. The show today is talking a little college football. You know, I'm always down for that. Week zero, it's all under week one on the CBS tab, which just tells you everything you need to know. Um, Illinois, they play. Um, The biggest game probably is 150 million percent that game between Nebraska and Northwestern in Ireland. UNLV plays, that's big. Um, as far as group of five school goes, but yeah, UNC, that's a basketball school. Oh, Florida state has a game, but they're hosting a nobody. And then week one officially starts, um, NIU. They're playing Eastern Illinois on Thursday, September 1st. Very much looking forward to my Huskies getting their Maction season underway. But yeah, like Skylar points out, there's three top 10 matchups or three ranked matchups in week number one, which is surely exciting. Um, but I feel like they'll just have a big matchup for week zero to like kick it off. Like always they'll have one big matchup. Yeah, it's absolutely. Like, yeah. It's that's like the, the season premiere. Yep. I'm trying to find the three ranked matchups. So, you know, 
there's obviously 20. Oh, Notre Dame, Ohio State. You got number two playing number five. That is on Saturday, September the 3rd. Um, I think NIU's game is technically part of week zero. No, it's definitely part of week one. Um, I'm trying to find the other two there. Oh, Kent State plays. Oh, no, that's not. That's Notre um, Dame and Oklahoma State. Notre Dame and I- Ohio State. Ohio State. Um, you know, I could filter this by top 25, but I'm not the smartest person in the world, so I didn't think of that right away. Um, let's see here. Notre Dame, Ohio State. Um, this is just great podcasting that we're doing right here, looking through. Uh, Cincinnati plays Arkansas. That's outstanding. Cincinnati comes in at number 23. Arkansas is 19. And then this is a this is a big one. Oregon is number 11. They play number three, Georgia. I feel like Oregon's always like 11 through 15. Yeah, except in for anything. Years, except for the years they were one through five consistently, like the Marcus Mariota years, and they like made it to the championship, lost to Ohio State. Like Oregon was really good like five years ago. By the way, Skyler, this comment is absolutely hilarious. Why? You know what he's referring to? Thomas Gage shitting on him. Oh, yeah. Remember, he's like, they're not talking about that, but that was like, he mentioned a comment like earlier. Yeah, and then Skyler goes, Skyler goes, tell me you haven't been paying attention without telling me you haven't been paying attention. Like That is absolute gold right there. That might be the best comment of 2022 so far. Absolutely. And Thomas Gage was in the Barfly tailgate show that was live right before we went live. He was one of the last comments to be put up. So Thomas Gage, I hope you're watching. Um, She Hulk is amazing and all the MCU is outstanding and you're a fool if you don't watch it. Um, uh, college football, though, I think Notre Dame, Ohio State steals the show on week one. Yeah, probably. Week yeah. one's always hit or miss. You don't know how teams are going to perform. Some of the good teams that you think are going to be good, they might fall off a little bit, drop a few rankings. And when Georgia ultimately smokes Oregon, I mean, they might not even be ranked. Even though now they'll probably be like 20 if Georgia smokes them. But they, Notre won't, Dame, they won't be unranked. Notre Dame, Ohio State, loser will only fall a little bit, but then they'll spend the rest of the season trying to climb back into that playoff contention. And Notre Dame always gets screwed if they don't go undefeated because they play one less game than all the other playoff contenders because they don't play in a conference. So they won't, they'll, they'll be idle when everybody else is winning a conference championship. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the big disadvantage for Notre Dame. So if you're a Notre Dame fan, I know we got a couple listening. You need them to beat Ohio State in week one to really – control your own destiny for the rest of the season. It's not impossible. That Notre Dame team is going to be fired up the way that they ended last season with Brian Kelly ditching them before their bowl game. Yeah. Do you think, do you think he's going to go to LSU and make an impact? He could. I think he could for sure. Yeah. Um, LSU always has a top five recruiting class. So yeah. And they good. always have that like stigma behind them that they have to be good almost. Yeah. So like, I wouldn't be surprised. They fired their best coach in school history because they went like two or three years without being that good. Exactly. Uh, in 2019, they were probably, you can argue, the 2019 LSU Tigers were the greatest college football team ever. Wow. I mean, half of their offenses are stars in the NFL now. Their whole O-line, Joe Burrow, was in the Super Bowl. Jamar Chase was right there with him. Like, I don't know. I, I think it's amazing. To think like, 
not even a lot of people who watch college push football got to appreciate what they did in college. Like they just see them right now in the NFL and they're appreciating what they're doing now, but they were even like, even just as amazing in college and uh, the people who don't tune into college football, it's just like, I kind of feel bad because you're, you're missing out on a lot of great things. Yeah. And it helps you with fantasy football because like people who watched college football understood that Jamar Chase is going to come into the NFL and be good right away. Um, Joe Burrow, there were some question marks because of quarterbacks and like, how do they translate to the NFL? I mean, he's been better than Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, who were ranked way higher than him going into their sophomore seasons or, you know, whatever season they all played in the same league together, college football division one. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for the season. It's coming up quick. The summer went by fast. Um, there's some big games this weekend. I'm excited to get the Huskies rolling. Got a home schedule I'm excited for. So we'll see how that goes. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. And whenever college football comes around, you know, the NFL's right around the corner, which also means the National Hockey League is right around the corner. And we are going to get to the great sport of hockey in period number one. Welcome to period one. Frank, last week, if you would ask me on the show who I think Nifty Nazzy Dangleman Nazem Kadri was going to sign with, it seemed fairly obvious that it was going to be the New York Islanders. David Pagnota of the fourth period, he kind of like reported like it was almost a lock that it was going to happen. And then that ended up being wrong. And I trust Dave Pagnota a lot. When he tweets something, I put stock in it. He nailed Tavares. He nailed a bunch of other signings throughout the years. Um, he's not necessarily like Elliot Friedman or Pierre Lebrun, where like when they tweeted, it's like 1000% right. But I, w- I would give him a 99% correct usually. And it ended up not happening. He spurned the Islanders and chose to sign with the Calgary Flames. We talked about it more on Crosstown Crosstalk last week because it was kind of breaking as we were wrapping up our baseball show last week. And you know me, I'll talk about every sport on every show, even if the focus is on one over the other. But in order to make room for Kadri's contract, they traded Sean Monahan to the Montreal Canadiens. Frank, what do you make of this whole Nazem Kadri deal with the Calgary Flames? Well, yeah, I kind of agree with you. Last week when we were talking about Kadri, he was all but for sure going to the New York Islanders. But I do remember early on when we first talked about where Kadri may end up, I did mention that there is a chance that he would go to Calgary because with the trade of Kachuk and with the trade of Goudreau, it ultimately freed up a little bit extra room. Then they get Huberdo into the mix, but they still had that extra room. And I think that's actually when we started talking about, or when I mentioned if Kadri may make his way over to the Flames, is when they still signed Huberdo, but they still had that extra leeway where they could bring in a player like Kadri. Ultimately, he decides to go to um, the Flames seven years. Uh, I think it's seven mil average per year for a total deal of uh, 49 million. That's a pretty big deal for a guy like Kadri. I mean, he had 87 points last year. And when you get rid of Kachuk and you get rid of Goudreau, you have to bring in uh, those types of players to make up for those lost points. And I think with Huberto and Kadri, they kind of made up for lost points there that they, they got rid of. I know they're a team that still want to win. Um, after the year they had last year, I'd just be surprised if they wanted to give it all up. And, you know, Kadri, not only does he drive the offense and he's an excellent player on the power play, but he also brings the center depth that to the flames. And they really contend with up. They're up there actually, with probably some of the best center depth in the league. They could contend with like, obviously not better than McDavid and dry saddle, 
but they're up there. They might be the second best center depth team in the league with uh, Lindholm, Kadri, Backlund. I mean, they got a lot of center depth. And going to the Stanley Cup final last year with the Colorado Avalanche, winning the Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche, you're also bringing that veteran veteran knowledge and playoff performance capability, whatever you want to say, to the Calgary Flames. But to me, what I think the interesting, the most interesting point of this whole thing is that Kadri actually turned down a deal to go to the Flames three years ago. So I don't know if he liked what he saw, if there's a more of a winning culture there is now than there is three years ago, which I truly believe there is. Maybe that influenced his decision. But nonetheless, Nazem Kadri, Calgary Flame, there you go. You made me think. I'm starting to th- trying to think of what teams have better center depth than Calgary. They're in the top five now, I would say. Absolutely. I don't, I don't know if I would put them two. Drysaddle and McDavid, number one. I yep. still would probably take Crosby and Malkin over them. Um, yeah, but I'm going like the whole depth. Like Backlund's their third for the Flames. Yeah. Is there a better guy in the Penguins? Who's? I'm trying to think of who their third line center is going to be. Um, I don't know. They might have the cake. They're definitely contenders up there. Yeah, Maybe the uh, second best for sure in the Western Conference. Yeah, no doubt. I th- the Leafs, Matthews and Tavares. It's hard to argue with Matthews and Tavares. Um, the Jets with Blake Wheeler and Pierre Luc Dubois. I'd probably rather the Flames. I rather the Flames. Um, but yeah, um, I don't think Kadri and Huberto bring the same. If you take total points with Goudreau and Kachuk from last year, but they might make them a equally good team. Because points aren't everything. It's the way you play and how you defend. And Daryl Sutter's their coach. We've been watching Daryl Sutter coach teams for the entire life of our hockey fanhood, I would say. You know, since he was with the Kings in 2000 and the early 2010s, and they won two cups playing that Daryl Sutter style of hockey. Now he brings it to the Flames. Another thing I really like that I want to – I mentioned it on Crosstown last week when it first happened, but I want to bring it to this audience. Nazem Kadri and Evander Kane – they bring intensity that few bring in the league and they brought it against each other in a playoff series last year when the Colorado avalanche played against the Edmonton Oilers. Now Kadri's in the battle of Alberta with Evander Kane on the other side for the Edmonton Oilers. Listen, Calgary has my respect. They easily could have folded and, you know, rebuilt the whole thing after losing their two leading scores. Not only were they their two leading scores, they were two like elite top 20 NHL forwards. And, they lost them for nothing. Well, no, they traded Kachuk. They didn't lose them for nothing, but they knew they were losing them in some way, and they did a really good job of supplementing them instead of just rebuilding it from scratch like some teams did. Like, in 2012, Parisi left the Devils to go to the Wild, and Kovalchuk retired, and Clarkson left to go to the Maple Leafs, all within a span of, like, 18 months. Instead of... The Devils tried to do the same thing, and they didn't just fold and rebuild, but instead of trading for a guy like Huberdeau or Kadri, whoever the equivalent of at that time it was, they signed 42-year-old Yaramir Yager and Michael Ryder to contracts and like hoped Adam Henrique would lead them in goal scoring, which he did, but like not enough to make enough of an impact as one guy. And the Flames, they took what the Devils couldn't do, and they're going to be a really good team this year. The Pacific Division is there for the taking. I think ultimately if the Vegas Golden Knights are healthy and everybody plays to their potential, I think it's their division. But 
The Flames are going to be right there with them, and so are the Oilers. And I really think all three teams are going to provide tremendous hockey all season long. And you bring up the center depth. Center is the most important forward position in hockey um, with Backlund, Kadri, and um, what's his name? Who um Lindholm, Elias Lindholm. Oh, yeah. I was like, I thought you said him already. And, and I said him in reverse order of how they're gonna line up too. Um, you combine them with a winger like Huberto, okay, like Andrew Manjapani. Those those guys are gonna score lots of goals, and Calgary's gonna be sick. Their defense is always awesome. Calgary kind of reminds me of Nashville, where they're always pumping out D. Calgary is one of the best organizations in the NHL at drafting and developing defensemen, and they use them to supplement the rest of their roster. They can trade, you know, Noah Hannafin, or I'm trying to remember how it went. They acquired Noah Hannafin. They can trade guys to supplement their offense if needed because they're so good at replacing them. Like, they traded Adam Fox, right? They knew he wasn't going to sign with them. They traded him, and he ended up leaving the Hurricanes to go to the New York Rangers, so it looked really smart on Calgary to trade him anyway. And Fox would probably rather be on Calgary in terms of pure hockey now. But even though the New York Rangers did make it really far in the playoffs too, I can't really crap on that decision either. But Calgary, they're just really good. They know they have an eye for defense. They have an eye for goaltending. Um, I'm excited to see how this team plays this year. And Kadri is going to be a huge, huge part of it. Who, Who's their captain? Why am I drawing a blank? When Giordano left, did they not replace him a captain? Because it wasn't Goudreau, it wasn't Monaghan, and it certainly wasn't Kachuk. I have an idea, but I don't think it is. I don't. Who were you thinking? I thought it was Backlund. No, I don't think Backlund is their captain. I don't think they have a captain, and I don't think they've had a captain. Why does that sound so, like so familiar to me? Here, let me take a look. I'm actually curious because I think they will name a captain now that their team – kind of feels in place for a while. Um, after Sean Manahan, yeah, this there's a page like top candidates for the Calgary Flames. They have not had a captain oh. since, let me see. They have not had a captain since Giordano left in 2020-21. Wow. They had... Three alternate captains last year. Mikhail Backlund, Sean Monaghan, and Matthew Kachuk. Okay, so Backlund was an assistant. Mikhail Backlund is still listed as an assistant uh, captain for the 2022-23 season, but nobody else wears a letter. You know, they might give it to him. I don't know. I just, for some reason, I thought he was the captain already. He was an assistant. I could see them upgrading him to captain. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some candidates on the team. So, like... There's let me take a look at their roster as a whole. Calgary. Flames. I don't think you give it to Huberto. No, you, I wouldn't give it to Huberto or Kadri. And yeah, that's like a slap hard. in the face. It's hard. They can make it Lucic for a year. Um, but I, I hate naming captains for a year personally. I think it's going to be Backlund. It could be Backlund. It could be. I would say Lindholm is in the mix. Twenty-eight years old or not twenty-eight. Uh, Twenty-seven years old. Good player. Um, I think you have to be good and a leader to be a captain and not every good player is a leader and not every leader is a good player, but Manjapani could easily be a captain. Um, maybe they go defense. Noah Hannafin, I think has an opportunity. Um, a good short-term option would be Tanev. Um, 
I think uh, we're not going to go the short route. If they pick, if they picked a guy that's new, I think it would be Uyghur before Kadri or Huberto. I don't think you can pick a guy that's new. I, that'd be like a slap in the face. Yeah, I'm trying to think of new people who got captains or A's. The Devils gave Dougie Hamilton an A right away. It's very rare, though. It is very rare. It is very, very rare. Tavares was the captain of the Maple Leafs la- or a year after he signed there. Uh, a lot of people thought it was going to be Matthews, but then he had that incident with the police officer and he never got the C in the end. Um, a lot of people think that was a mistake. Marner wanted it too. Marner's dad was lobbying for him to get it like a weirdo. Um, if I was in the NHL and my parents like stuck out their nose because they wanted me to get the C, I'd be like, dad, shut up. <laughs> but Marner's dad, yip, 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 yip. Um, yeah, the next Calgary of the uh, Calgary Flames, I think you're on to something with Backland. Like it just you, seems right. Do you give the your three C the captain? I mean, it's possible. There's a world where Nico Heischer is the Devils' third line center one day. I mean, it's possible. I'm I'm telling you, for some reason, I thought he was the captain already. That's just like good vibes right there. I'm channeling the Calgary Flames organization. What about Tyler Toffoli? No, he won't be a captain. He's not yeah. that. He's not. I don't know. If you got to be good and a leader, he's not that good anymore. I mean, he's fine. He'll get the job done. Yeah, he's a good player. I, I don't mean, think he's I don't think he's leadership the ability to be a leader though. No, he wore an A with the Kings and the Canadians, but I don't necessarily see it with the Flames either. I'm just throwing names out there. Um but yeah, Calgary's going to be a really good team. Oh, absolutely. And I I'm an avid believer of knowledge is power and an 87 point player after winning the cup coming to the Calgary Flames, that's a lot of knowledge you have on how to be successful and have the winning ways for their team. And I just, I think it's a great move for the Calgary Flames. Lock them up for seven years with a fairly reasonable price. And we'll definitely probably see them in the postseason this year. A team that probably will be near the top of the NHL standings with the Calgary Flames is the Carolina Hurricanes. And I, I firmly believe Carolina is one of the best teams in the NHL. They don't pop off at you in terms of like, oh my God, I got to watch the Carolina Hurricanes because they have, you know, their best player is probably Sebastian Ajo, who's a very good player. He'll have 100 points, but he gets those 100 points a little more subtle than a McDavid, a Matthews, a Dreisaitl. And he's the quietest 100 point player in the NHL, probably. But. If you ignore storylines or excitement and just look for pure great hockey teams that have a legitimate chance to win the Stanley Cup, the Carolina Hurricanes are one of them, and they got better by adding Paul Stats. And Paulie Walnuts is headed to Carolina. What do you think? For a very good price, too, $1.5 million. That, that's a very good price. And I think what the Carolina Hurricanes need the most right now is they need help on special teams. And he's going to bring that. Paul Stats is going to be a huge addition to their special teams. He's also a great face-off player. He is fantastic. If you remember when we used to have our GM Connected Leagues in the NHL video games, Paul Stastny was very sought out in our league just for his face-offs. He had such high um, overall just for his face-offs alone. And that's once again going to help the Carolina Hurricanes because when you can win face-offs in half possessions, you have a better chance of winning the game. You can't win games if you're not if you're very bad on having possessions. Um, you also have to think that Max Pacioretty is out for six months. And while Statsny is not going to, you know, fill the shoes of Pacioretty, I mean, Statsny had 45 points last year. 
he was a he broke 20 goals. He had 21 goals, which is great. One and a half million dollars for a 21 goal score. That's that's fine. We'll take that. And somebody's got to fill the shoes for the time being for Pacioretty, even though he won't live up to what Pacioretty's capable of. But ultimately, I just I think it's a great move for the Hurricanes. You got the guy for a steal. Yeah, and they already have Jordan Stahl, who is fifth in the NHL in face-off win percentage. Vincent Trocheck was 20th, and now you add Stastny. They're going to start a lot of plays with the puck. Um, I like this signing for Carolina. Like you said, Pacioretty's going to be out for a while. But the thing that sticks out the most to me is Carolina has been a cup-contending playoff team for three or four years now. And they always drop it in the second round, right? They always seem to run out of steam. Like a team with more experience always seems to handle them right there when it's time to really get and become that final four team or, you know, win the Eastern Conference and advance to the Stanley Cup final. But what did they go out and do this offseason? They didn't go make a huge free agent signing to bring in like this big time offensive player, right? Like they didn't sign Kadri. They didn't sign. They don't need to. They don't need to. What did they go get? They went and got a shit ton of experience. They traded for Brent Burns, who although he brings, even though he's not the Norris Trophy winning defenseman that he was three or four years ago, he's still going to have 40 assists for you and he might score 10 to 15 goals. He, he'll be up there in terms of points by a defenseman. That's all fine and dandy. It's nice. But he's been in the playoffs. He knows what it takes to get to the Stanley Cup final. They came up just short to Pittsburgh in 2016, right? Like they, that man has been through war and he knows how to win in the playoffs. Max Pacioretty, same thing. Been in the, you know, very deep in the playoffs, made multiple deep playoff runs with Vegas and with Montreal. Max Pacioretty has been around and knows what he's doing. And then now Paul Stastny, Paulie Walnuts with the Winnipeg Jets made a couple deep runs. They had that one year where they lost to Nashville in the conference finals. Um, been there with Vegas, right? Like he knows what winning feels like and he's looking for that Stanley Cup too. And all three of those guys have made deep playoff runs but are still hungry because they have not won the Stanley Cup. They've come very close. So you bring experience and hunger with those three players. I think the Carolina Hurricanes are the sneakiest team in the NHL right now. And there's rumors that the black jersey is going to be their full-time jersey instead of their alternate. I like their I like which, their jersey. I firmly believe in look good, feel good. Um, we'll talk about that with a certain player coming up here in a couple minutes. But, um, yeah, Carolina, Paul Stastny, their depth is strong. The force is strong with the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, Tavo Teravainen, Sebastian Ajo, Evgeny Svechnikov. They lost Nino Niederreiter, okay, and we praise Nashville for signing him. They're, they're going to be, you know, Nashville got a really good player that Carolina's losing. They're going to replace him, right? They're Carolina. That's what they do when guys leave in free agency. Martin Nietzsche is outstanding, right? I mean, they got good players over there. Their defense, they're, <laughs> I know it's two teams in a row I bring this up with, but they're like Nashville in, in Calgary in that they just pump out defensemen, right? No matter what, these guys are coming out of nowhere. And they're, they're all really, really, really good. Um, looking at like the... Jacob Slavin. Okay, boom. Top defenseman there. Um, they have other great players. They're going to get Brent Birds and add to it. Um, I like it a lot for them. I'm just happy they didn't panic. 
right? Like you said, they didn't go out and they didn't have to get that big name player. They just had to fill in some pieces here and there because ultimately we they've shown us they can make the postseason, but it's just getting past that hurdle. And I think the pieces that they added this offseason could potentially get them past that hurdle. Absolutely. And did you know Brent Burns was third in the National Hockey League in ice time last year? That he, doesn't surprise me. He only trailed Seth Jones, who led the NHL by one second. And then in second place by one second was your favorite Ottawa Senators defenseman. Shabbat! Thomas Shabbat! <laughs> um, and then Chris Letang trailed by like 15 seconds for fourth place. So, And there's no Carolina Hurricanes defenseman in the top 25 last year. I think Brent Burns will be in the top 25 again, but Carolina's so much deeper, he's not coming in second. Or no, third. probably not. Right, no. and that, that's not a Brent Burns problem. Now, maybe in the playoffs. Maybe, maybe, but that—that's a Carolina philosophy, not a Brent yeah. Burns problem. Carolina, if you're if you're running out six really good defensemen and you're comfortable with each and every one of them, why make Brent Burns play 26 minutes a night? There's no point. There's no point. And the only thing that might help Brent Burns in terms of ice time is he's gonna he's probably gonna play a minute 15 of each and every power play, right? Unless unless a penalty's called when he's gassed. He's starting the power play and quarterbacking it the whole time. He's one of the right. best power play quarterbacks we've seen in the league for the last 20 years. So I'm excited about this team. Paul Stastny joins it. It'd be cool if they won the Stanley Cup. They're, they're, they're not like a team I would necessarily root for. Like if the Devils make the playoffs, obviously they're my number one. I'd root for Pittsburgh, Toronto over them in the East. But like if they won, I would not be mad at all. Yeah, I have nothing against the Hurricanes. I, I enjoyed them this past season. Yeah, me too. Um, they need to win a road freaking playoff game. <laughs> I mean, yeah, seriously, did they did they go undefeated at home except for Game Seven? I think so. Yeah, and the, it was the Vinny Parisi guarantee that the New York Rangers would finally win a road game. Yeah, you said Game that. Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Canada won gold. Not okay? The World Juniors was pushed back to now because of the Omicron variant of COVID nineteen taking out. The World Juniors back in December slash January, and they f- came back and they said they were going to make it up, and they made it up, and they still plan on doing it as scheduled in January again, which is really nice. A lot of these guys are going to return. A lot of them are going to play in the NHL. Um, I'm not surprised. I'm right there with you. I think they were the best team. Here's the thing, though: Canada's team last year was better, and they choked in the gold medal game to Team USA, losing two to nothing because Team USA trapped them and they were ready to play against them. Um, but this year, Team USA got bounced early. Nobody else had a plan for Canada. They took it with relative, not with relative ease. Finland almost won. Did you see the replay? They went to yeah the rebound. Um, what, what do you mean? Talking about? I'm talking about play. the game-winning goal. Okay, Mason McTavish, Anaheim Ducks number. He's probably their number one prospect now that Zegras has graduated to the NHL, and so is uh. Uh, Jamie Drysdale. So yeah, I would say Mason McTavish is probably their number one prospect. I haven't looked at the rankings in a while. Um, he scored the overtime winner against Finland to give Canada the gold medal in regulation, or I think it might have even been in overtime. It was in overtime. The it, same player, the gold Mason medal, McTavish. Yeah, this year. Yeah, I thought Ken Johnson scored it. No, I don't think so. It was Mason McTavish. Oh, I thought it was. I. I thought it was Kent Johnson. Let, let me triple check that, but I, I'm 90% sure it was Mason McTavish. Um, right before scoring the game-winning goal, he 
kept the puck out of the net. I'm trying to see. Here, explain your story. I'll look it up. Before the game-winning goal was scored, maybe it was Kent Johnson, and Mason McTavish did this right before Kent Johnson um, scored it. He tipped the puck out of midair. It was going in the net from for Finland, and he made a defensive play to swat it out of the air and keep Finland from winning the gold, and then they took it down the other end of the ice a little while later and saved the game. It was Kent Johnson. Okay, it was Kent Johnson. I was thinking of McTavish doing this. Mm-hmm. He made the play where I'll try to show it on the um, camera a little bit. He made a play where he hit swatted the puck out from going in the net and it was about to go in. Finland was about to win the gold and he baseball batted it out in midair and Finland was unable to win. And then obviously Columbus Blue Jackets prospect from Michigan, Ken Johnson came down and scored the game winner. And another reason I was confused McTavish also won the MVP of the tournament, and he is the second straight Anaheim Ducks prospect to win the MVP of the World Juniors, as when Team USA won that stunning gold over Canada in 2021, Trevor Zegris won it. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? My bad on the mess up there. Well, if you just give me like one sec, here you go. For those listening to the audio version, Frankie has the Mason McTavish save up on the screen. I highly recommend you take the time out of your day to check it out because it was just absolutely stunning. And the fact that he was able to swat it out of midair, that puck was going in. Oh, yeah. That and was Finland insane. was about to win the gold right there. And McTavish – so, yeah, I had it backwards. McTavish did that, and then Kent Johnson went and scored – uh, how about the Anaheim Ducks, man? Zegris wins it in 2021, the uh, the MVP of the tournament. McTavish in 2022. Jamie Drysdale was a top prospect for Canada throughout all this as well, and he's playing for them now. Um, good tournament, though, eh? Absolutely. And I, I, talking about the game-winning goal and Ken Johnson, and let's hear for the Columbus Blue Jackets having them and having him in their farm system. I mean, you could argue that Ken Johnson was more valuable than Bedard was. He finished with more points. Johnson had three goals, six assists. Bedard had four goals, four assists. Bedard is the most magical player on the team because you could just see the talent losing off of him, but he was not even close to their best player this year. He's significantly younger than each and every player playing in the tournament. He's getting like the fifth most ice time amongst forwards. Normally, like... I remember in McDavid's draft year, Matthews did play for Team USA, but he didn't get the ice time that the other top American prospects were getting at the time. Like, right. whenever your draft is the following year, then you're always going to be like the last forward on the team. And Bedard still made an impression. Next year in January, expect Bedard to be the McTavish or the Kent Johnson or Luke Hughes. Look at Luke Hughes, he dominated. Mm-hmm. Until Team USA got eliminated. His team was a little bit worse. Um, but, like, he was probably the best player in the tournament up until getting eliminated. He was certainly the most talked about. And the, those kids who are a year behind always get less ice time. Always. And he still made an impact scoring four goals and having four assists. That's why exactly. Bedard is just – he's going to be fantastic. I mean, Canada's also one of those teams that have that, you know, 
stereotype behind them that they should always be good, right? Because people hear the team name Canada, and it's like you have that you're representing one of the biggest or the biggest hockey communities in the entire world. And I mean, Canada has won or have won 19 gold medals, including three since 2018. Um, so I mean, they're a very good team to contend with, and just just the way the whole tournament was flowing and i i just knew canada had the better team i knew us was going to be dethroned this year right it was just a matter of time except i thought they were going to be dethroned by canada but ultimately congrats to the canadians um yeah it was it was definitely a fun tournament to keep track of i'm excited for january because it'll be back to like the typical style of world junior hockey um i'm excited to see if the devils and michigan allow luke hughes to play i think they will um, cause he's not signed. Um, Bedard will certainly play. I don't think we're going to see McTavish. I'm not sure we're going to see more. I know we're not going to see Ken Johnson. Um, a lot of these guys are going to be playing for their NHL teams this year. So the new blood is going to come in in January and we'll see, you know, some other guys, we won't see Mitch cause they're not going to let Russia play. Um, that was the only difference between the canceled version, right. and this version, but we'll see Fantilli play for team Canada again. So, it's going to be really fun. I'm excited. I love the World Juniors. It's one of my favorite parts about winter. Um, yeah, congrats to the Canadians. Frank, yeah. um, the New York Islanders made a series of signings over the last week. None of them are, like, super huge, but it's, like, re-signing players, like, internally. Kiefer Bellows got 1.2 mil for a year. Um, he'll be an arbitration-eligible RFA at the end of that contract. They got a three-year contract with uh, Romanov, Alexander Romanov, not related to Natasha, signed <laughs> – um, three years, 2.5 average annual value. They got him in a deal with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, they got Noah Dobson signed, and they also signed a couple of two-way contracts. Dennis Chalowski, Arnaud Durando, Paul Ledoux, and Hudson Fashing to either a one- or two-year two-way contract. Some of those guys will play in the AHL. Some of those guys will make their NHL appearances this season. But the New York Islanders getting work done with their contracts. Yeah, that's a lot. What you just said to you know taking all that information. I think the Islanders are a team that a lot of people are going to have expectations for this year. I know you do. I know you think they're going to potentially push and for that playoff spot. Um, and by signing all these players, they're in a way they're kind of saying that they are. I mean, obviously they're going to have to sign some of these guys. Um, I. I, I don't know too much about every player you named. Um, but yeah, ultimately that the New York Islanders are they're coming. Even though I don't necessarily know if it'd be this year, based on my opinion, but they're definitely coming down the line. Yeah, most of those players besides Romanov, Bellows, and Dobson, all three of them will play in the NHL all season long as long as they're healthy. The other ones are two way guys who are going to develop in the AHL, be called up if there's an injury. And the Islanders have no shortage of depth. If Matt Barzell takes a step and becomes like a star and they don't rely on Zach Parisi to be their leading goal scorer in the second half, then I think they'll make a pretty nice run. I think they're deep enough. It all depends how the top of their lineup is going to play. Lou Lamorello, Lou Lamorello already came out and said that Zdeno Chara and Andy Green are not options for them on the blue line, so they're not signing any 40-year-old defensemen. They're, they're serious about winning this year, and they're not going to start with their first 19 games on the road or whatever it was and get pushed behind the eight ball. I do think I'm not in the minority on the 
Islanders being really good this year, but I'm not in the majority either. I looked at some. You're very in the middle, yeah. Very in the middle. There are people who have him in the top three, like me, and there are people who have him in the bottom three of the Metro, not in the league. I don't think they're. I have him in the bottom three. I think of the Metro because I'm trying to think of who is better than them in the Metro. Obviously, the Carolina Hurricanes are number one for me. Um, I have to put the New York Rangers number two. I don't want to put the New York Rangers number two, but I'm going to because they made it to the conference finals. And then, yeah, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins are better than them right now too. So I actually don't have them in the top three after I want to put them instead of the Rangers, but I can't right now. Hopefully they prove that part wrong. But, yeah, the Penguins and Hurricanes are probably one and two for me, actually, now that I think about it. Um, Yeah, Yeah, the Penguins make some upgrades. Huh? The Penguins are going to make some up. They made some upgrades. Well, the Penguins and, are another team that just always seem to be there. They're never like bad, bad. So I'm not yeah. surprised. Although I think bad, bad is on the horizon for them. Just not. Well, every team goes through bad, bad. Yeah. Yeah. But like bad, bad is on the horizon for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Their farm stinks and they're never picking. They're never picking in the top 10. So they're not replenishing it like Detroit or the Devils, or upcoming now, starting now, the Blackhawks. Um, yeah, they're not going to get a prospect like Nazar, right? Next year's draft is deep, so every team might get a legit first-round player. But I don't know. Pittsburgh, I don't. I think the Islanders are better than the Devils. I think they're, they're probably better than the Capitals, even though the Capitals would be more exciting because now Ovechkin is chasing Wayne um, and, like, coming up on Wayne another 50 goal season. And then to me, it becomes a lock that he does it. Um, Yeah, should, I guess. I'm trying to think of the other teams in the division. Oh, I, I, the blue jackets to me are a year away. They signed Goudreau a year early, which I don't, I'm not going to crap on them for that because Goudreau won't be available to them next off season. They had to sign him now, but when Kent Johnson and all those top prospects that they have, they have a top 10 farm system. When they start coming up, I think they'll be good, but I got the Islanders better than them for one more year. Um, who am I missing? Oh, the Philadelphia Flyers. The Islanders. Are That's really why you're missing them. Yeah, they're yeah. way better than them. So yeah, I got the Islanders fourth in the division right now, and I would put Washington fifth, the Devils sixth, Blue Jackets seventh, Philly eighth. See, I still have them in the bottom three. I think Washington could be a surprise. They could. They could, but all like the top six could all make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But then again, the Atlantic, uh, I don't know. The, the the Eastern Conference is very deep right now. It's tough, deep. for sure. Like, if the Devils miss the playoffs but have 90 points, I wouldn't be surprised. I just don't want to, what happened last year to happen this year, where it's locked up and you don't have the push for the playoffs. And you know, I'll be stunned. Going. I'll be stunned because uh, every team in the playoffs from the East last year will still be at least pretty good, including Washington. Um. And then I think the Devils are improved. I think the Blue Jackets are a little bit improved, even though they're not there yet. The only team that took like a mad step backwards is Philly. Yeah. Like Montreal took a step forward. Buffalo took a step forward. Buffalo was one of the best teams in the East in the last two months of last season. They was just too little too late. Um, So they, they could be a surprise team this year. Wouldn't shock me. Ottawa being good wouldn't shock me. Detroit being good wouldn't shock me. Which I think they will. They'll be better than last year. Yeah. The Eastern Conference is way deeper than the West right now. I think the lottery has a very good chance of being either Philly or a Western team. Probably the Hawks. The Hawks will have top five odds. 
I do believe that. Because don't forget, you got to win the lottery. The damn, yeah, right. the damn ping pong balls have to fall your way. Like, you can't just be the worst team in the league and get Bedard. If you're, the worst, I mean, team, if you're the worst team in the league, you're getting one of Bedard, Mitch Cover, Fantilli. Which is great. Yes, without question. But, you know, one thing I wanted to talk to you about before we move on to period number two, where we're going to have a very fun discussion about video games, and particularly a hockey video game that we both love and cherish. 50 goal scorers in the National Hockey League. Last year, there were four. Yep. We went freaking 10 years with only one, Ovechkin. The game's evolving. Goals, man. It's the most important play in the hockey world. A goal being scored. Yep. Austin Matthews led the way with 60 and won the Rocket Richard to lead the National Hockey League in goals. Our buddy Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers came in second with 55. A surprise 50-goal scorer was Chris Kreider, who had Very 52 surprised. as a member of the New York Rangers. He was probably one of the best power play goal scorers in the National Hockey League last season. And then, of course, all reliable Alexander Ovechkin with number 50 on the dot. Got it by the skin of his nuts. Got it by the skin of his nuts. But when you have over 750 goals, you know he's going to figure out a way to just keep on scoring. And I got to ask you, of those four, who does it again? And is there anybody that came up just short last year that you think does do it this year? I think Matthews could do it again. Kreider's not going to do it again. I'd be stunned. I was shocked last year that he even got 52. And I think Ovechkin's on the decline, too. I don't see him ever. I, I'm going to make a bold statement here, so everybody be ready who's watching. Ovechkin, this was the last time we've ever seen Ovechkin reach 50 goals. It's done. He's done with that. He's going to regress a little bit. Drysidle, of course, I could see him doing it again, but I'm, I don't know. I, th I feel like Drysidle could be more affected with the assist in the assist department, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Drysidle scored 50 again. But Matthews and Drysidle are the favorites. Kreider and Ovechkin are definitely not the favorites to hit 50, in my opinion. I have two players, though, who I think are like the next step of becoming that 50 goal scorer, too. The first one being Kirill Kaprizov. I mean, the Minnesota Wild are up and coming. They're going to be good. He had 47 goals last year. He was right there, and I think they're going to be potentially even better this year. So I think and, – and he's so young, too, and he was able to score 47 goals. He's, like, still getting to that point in his career where he's getting ready to be in his prime. He's just three goals away, so I think he's definitely one of the favorites to do it. Another guy that I have, it has to be Philip Forsberg. 42 goals last year, and he missed 13 games. What would an extra 13 games would have done for the man? Probably potentially getting 50. Close. I mean, I'm not saying there was a guaranteed score eight goals in 13 games, but it's very possible. You don't have to go yeah, goal per game. five. And uh -huh. then, like, he would at least had five goals in those games. And you figure if he has a hat trick in one of them or a puck bounces here, there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, very, and, very and, if, and if you're as high up on the Predators as you are, as you're saying you are this year, they're going to be better than – Hey, Philip Forsberg's one of the perfect candidates to get to the 50 mark. Those are some really good names. I disagree with you on Ovechkin. Oh, let me first ask you this. Do all four of those guys who hit 50 last year hit 40 this year? I don't know. I, I say know. They, they all hit 40. I think they were. I think Kreider was an absolute fluke. But Kreider had multiple goals uh, many years, like in the in the 30s. I think we'll he, see him in the 30s again. He's been a great goal scorer in his NHL career. My prediction is mid 30s. 
Okay. I, I think Kreider gets to 40 or 41 because the range he's he's gonna play with Panarin, Zabanajad, Lafreniere. He's got he's got better assist man next to him than he ever has. Most of the time he was the assist man, feeding it to other goal scorers. Now he's the goal scorer. He stands in front of the net and Panarin and Zabanajad make his life easy. Um so I got him, I got all four of them over 40. If Ovechkin doesn't hit 50, I think he'll come up just short, or that meant he was injured. Because no matter what, Ovechkin only needs about 30 goals at even strength. He's scoring 20 power play goals. I mean, that, that's just the way it is. He's staying in his little office the entire two minutes. And he's going to have his hands cocked up a little bit. He's going to be like, I am Alexander Ovechkin. Hear me roar. And he's going to pump that one T into the net, no matter who's goaltending at least 20 times. It might be 25 times. If he scores 25 to 30 even strength goals, which he absolutely can, they always throw him out there with empty netters these days too. And he's good defensively. He back checks. That leads to more goals for him, in my opinion, because the goals come better to two-way players. They just do because you're back in the play. You're the 3F. If you're F3, Ovechkin is almost always F3. And for hockey people, that's like the third forward to enter the neutral zone. That's where the goals are. You got Backstrom doing your dirty work down there. TJ Oshie winning battles against the wall. Okay. Uh, Backstrom, if he plays, like I know he's been injured. Uh, This Connor McMichael kid could be uh, a shining star for Washington trying to help Ovechkin get to that next level. Um, Yeah, I think. And then Matthews and Drysaddle, to me, they could both score 60. Like to me, they're locks to hit 50. Um, so I got Kreider in the low 40s. I got Ovechkin in the high 40s slash low 50s. Um, McDavid and or Matthews and Dreisaitl for sure over 50. I have two candidates for 50 that you didn't name. I agree that Forsberg and Kaprizov could absolutely be up there. Um, an honorable mention to me is Kyle Connor, who came yeah. very close last year as well. If he scored 50, I mean, when you think about guys scoring 50, you need them to be great goal scorers and you need them to have great assist men. Few teams have as many great assist men as the Winnipeg Jets. I think yeah. they're going to be bad because their defense is weak, and that's not going to help Hellebuck, who I still think is elite, but he doesn't have any help defensively. They're going to score a crap ton of goals, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, Blake, Wheel- Blake Wheeler, and Mark Shifley are three of the best assist men in the NHL. I think Kyle Connor's absolutely going to benefit from that. Um, he could be in the mix as well. He's an honorable mention. David Pasternak's going to play an entire season with David Krejci and David Krejci might not be the David Krejci that he once was, but he speaks the same language as Pasternak. They're both from the same country. And David Krejci has pumped out 40 assist season after 40 assist season. David Pasternak had a bad start to last season, but he was on the Matthews dry trajectory from January on last year. And I think if he comes and the Bruins are going to rely on him a lot more than they ever have. Marshand is out. Bergeron decided last second that he's actually going to even play this season. They're going to rely so heavily on Pasternak. He's going to be the top option on every single power play they go on. He's going to be F3 on every power, on every even strength play that they come up with, unless he comes up with a rush and he's right there with the top forwards on the team in terms of driving the offense. His shot is lethal. I think Pasternak is absolutely a candidate. And the other one, Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid has been in the mid. That's the chalk answer. But but here's the thing, you didn't say it. And I didn't say because it, it was chalk. How's it? He's never done it. Yeah, but we like I wouldn't be shocked though. Okay, 
a lot of people don't look at McDavid as a goal scorer, even though he's top five in the league in goals since entering the league. Everybody thinks of Mr. Razzle Dazzle creates on the rush with his speed and then feeds it to Dreisaitl or Yamamoto or Pugliarvi or Evander Kane or back in the day when he played with frickin' James Neal and there were plenty of other wingers that he's had. They don't think of him with the goals. And if he wants to score 50, he can. And I believe this is a year where it is necessary for him to score 50 because of what I saw in the playoffs last year. Okay. McDavid is so fast. He's so smart and he's so silky smooth with his hands. Use it to score goals. You're going to get 70 assists. He almost had 80. Yeah. He's going to have 70 assists in his sleep. He could take a little nap and still get 70 assists. If he scores 50 goals, the Edmonton Oilers can win the freaking cup. If like he carries that goal scoring mantra into the playoffs, he needs to lead the way. He's never going to lead the team in goals because Dreisaitl has something that McDavid doesn't have. And it's the talent of a shot like that. McDavid's are all finesse and deking out goalies and outthinking the goalie. Dreisaitl's outpowering the goalie. Kind of like Ovechkin, you know, Crosby thinks the game better than Ovechkin, but Ovechkin's more powerful, so they have similar numbers. And, yeah, so those are my guys. Pasternak, McDavid, I think have a chance. Kyle Connor, honorable mention. I really liked your answer of Kirill Kaprizov, and I like hearing you have confidence in Philip Forsberg. I think he's a very good player, too. So we got some good goal scorers in oh, this yeah, conversation. Absolutely. One guy who I think is going to light the league on fire next year. He started last season lighting the league on fire, and then it tailed off, hit a little bit of a rookie wall in January, February. Still good. Still a really, really good finish to his rookie season. Um, We are going to talk about this player in period number two. Welcome to period two, where we are going to talk about one of my favorite players in the NHL. He is as silky smooth as you can get. He's not as fast as a McDavid, even though he's pretty dang quick. I believe this guy has a couple 90 plus point seasons in his career. Maybe there'll be one or two with a hundred as his team gets better. I think it'll improve him. He has a defenseman coming to his team this year that has been proven to be one of the best offensive defensemen in the NHL over the last five years. Of course, I'm talking about Trevor Zegras, who was just named as the cover athlete for the 2023 edition of NHL EA Sports. NHL 23's cover athlete will feature two athletes for the first time in a couple years as Zegras will be joined by Team Canada athlete um, Sarah Nurse, who's one of the best female hockey players on planet Earth. This covers fire, but more importantly, it shows that the NHL believes in Zegras and what he can do after a great season last year. Frank, what's your take? Well, I am going to give you my take while I have the cover for those of them, anybody watching. I have the cover here. Um, well, NHL 23 will be the first game that doesn't focus on hockey and it'll focus on beach volleyball. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, You're unreal. <laughs> no, but you want people on the cover of NHL to represent, you know, not only the future of hockey, um, 
I don't even know where I was going with it. You want people to be on the cover who will represent the future of hockey, who's a good representation of the current generation of hockey, and you want people on the cover that would, you know, have that energy, energetic personality, and I, I think you chose two amazing players. I'll start off with Zegras here because he's definitely the future of the Anaheim Ducks. Um, he's so, uh, so skillful. I wonder if the flip over the net to Milano had anything to do with it because I mean, that was just absolutely stunning. Um, probably not, but I mean, well, he the, scored the lacrosse goal twice too. Don't forget that. Oh yeah. The Michigan. Yeah, I, yeah. He did do the Michigan. Um, he's just so silky smooth with it, with stick, his stick control and puck control. And, you know, I, I just, I really, I, 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 I don't mind it. I like the cover. I like the palm trees. Um, I think we were, we were, it was time for a change. I mean, we had Austin Matthews two out of the three years and, you know, we had McDavid. It's time for a change. Give it to the young and up-and-coming guy. And then um, as far as Sarah Nurse goes, she's cousins with Darnell Nurse. I know hockey fans will know that name very well. She's also cousins with Kia Nurse, who is a Phoenix Mercury WNBA star. And, Vin, I don't know if you know that, but her, her uncle is Donovan McNabb. Yes, I did know that. So Donovan she's McNabb. She's definitely got skills in her blood. It's definitely a blood uh, a thing. She's the first woman on an EA NHL hockey cover ever. And, you know, I think it's great. Hockey's for everyone. Um, she led, she actually sent it, set an Olympic record with 18 points to help Team Canada win gold over the U.S. That was an Olympic record. We know how skillful she is. She's one of the best players in the world, like you said. NHL 22 actually added, um, IIHF women's teams to the game for the first time ever. But I also read somewhere this year that said, that said EA will be adding IIHF women's national team rosters for the first time ever. But I thought they did that last season, so I don't know what they quite meant by that. Um, and also, EA is also adding women's soccer clubs to the newest FIFA game, FIFA 23. They will be adding a soccer club team roster. So it just seems like this is the perfect time to do stuff like this. Like we said, hockey's for everyone. And I don't think there's a better time that they could have done something like this. And they chose two really good athletes for the cover, in my opinion. Yeah. So Zegers wasn't on either of our radars this year. I think it was a lock that he'd be on at some point just because of how exciting he is. Both of us believed Kale McCarr would be the pick. Um, but Kale McCarr will get his time. I do believe he will be on the cover. I like that they came up with an actual background. I mean, Zegers plays in Anaheim, right? And there are, what, four teams in the NHL that have palm trees near their rink? Anaheim, Florida, Tampa Bay, and Los Angeles, right? Mm -hmm. Does any other team in the league have palm trees near their rink? I don't think so. And why does hockey have to be like just Canada, where it's just snowing all the time? We saw outdoor games in Nashville. We saw outdoor games in Dallas. We saw outdoor games in Anaheim, in Los Angeles. There's no reason. There's going to be one in South Carolina, or is it? It's North Carolina later next year. It doesn't always have to be Minnesota or Chicago or Detroit or Toronto, Montreal, New Jersey, Philly, Boston. It doesn't have to be those traditional hockey markets anymore. I want kids who grow up next to palm trees to start playing hockey. I want little girls who love the game to start playing hockey. Okay. Sarah nurse represents the female community. She also represents the African American community, something where all both of those communities were trying to grow in the game of hockey. That's the point of this show. 
Trevor Zegris is so sweet. I mean, we we talked about him probably. I think if we recapped, if we had like a, a technician recap every single episode of Bar Down from the 2021-22 season, Zegris was probably a top 10 most talked about player on this show. I mean, oh, he, yeah. and you remember the All-Star game when he was in the skills competition mm-hmm. and him and Hughes duked it out and then that freaking Muppet from St. Louis picked Petrangelo to win the whole thing, even though Zegers and Hughes deserved it more than him. Um, it was just so incredible to watch. And the Brinkett clearly deserved it over Petrangelo too. Um, I, I just think Zegers is one of the great players in the league right now. I do think the Kale McCars, the Jack Hugheses, um, the Moritz Siders of the world will be on the cover eventually. Um, but I'm happy it's not the same drawing of the cover with like a weird background anymore it's something fresh it's new the world is changing let's change with it hockey this is a great great cover i'm so excited i can't wait to buy the game on day number one and play it all night long um zegris was a calder trophy finalist truly one of the great players and right he was a calder trophy finalist right mm-hmm. it was the yeah, two i think red he came wings. in second it was the two red wings and him right he came uh, in second yeah um, yeah and he was just so good all season long and he's gonna be great anaheim is one of my sleeper picks when we preview the pacific division i'm gonna say some things about anaheim that are gonna make you think i'm on glue but man i just think they're gonna be so good and zegers is gonna lead the way i was referring to klingberg when talking about the player that is gonna really help him up his game and get the puck up to the forwards um I really, really like this cover. I'm so excited. He came in um, second for the Calder Trophy. He was also on the all-rookie first team for the 2021-22 season. This is just great stuff. I can't wait to use the female uh, – is it the female uh, IIHF squads you said? Yeah, but it said like they're doing something for the first time ever with those teams in the game, but they had them in, in NHL 22. I don't know what they meant. Is like they'd have them for the first time ever to start because last year they added it in like halfway through, but I don't know what they meant by that. Cause there was something for the first time ever they were adding women's rosters, national teams, but I'm like, they did that last year. Yeah. I can't wait to play. It's going to be so much fun. The only thing I was disappointed about is like when the NHL 23 technical test came out, that photo was leaked. That was on the internet. And I just thought that was the logo for the technical test, yeah. which is why I was like a little disappointed because I'm like, oh, if EA is going to do that, which I don't know if EA did post that or if it came from somebody else, I don't think EA posted it. But No, EA for sure didn't post it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had a reveal today. Well, that's why I was confused. And, the, like, word no way was wrong on it. Huh? and the word technical was spelled wrong on it. Yeah, I know. That was kind of funny. That is really funny. Um, but you know, the thing that made me kind of think it was possible when Zegers they announced the change of his number yesterday, like, but the wow. numbers changed on that Jersey. I know. So Meaning like Zegers has known he was going to change to number 11, which we talked about our favorite numbers on this show. Two weeks ago, 11 was number two on my Mount Rushmore of favorite numbers. Zegers wearing 11, give him a hundred points right now. And I it's mean, like, just do it. And when I, when I, because I looked at that video, I believe it was July 25th or whenever the technical test came out, I didn't, wasn't even thinking to like look at his number. I could have said, hey, Vin, did you notice that? Look at this photo. Zegris numbers was changed to 11. Like I, I wasn't even thinking about that. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I just, it was spoiled for me. 
Yeah, even though you wanted to believe it wasn't going to be the case that it was spoiled for you, they they, they made a smart decision by having a cover like this. I'm not going to let the fact that the hype was kind of the wind was taken out of the hype. It, it was. There's no. It was like they revealed it, and it was like, yeah, well, I saw this a month ago. Yeah, that that's fine. You can be disappointed about that, but I will. I refuse to allow myself to be disappointed that they went with Zegris and Nurse because I think this cover is fire. And oh, I I love the cover. I, I like the palm trees too. I'm just messing with the whole beach. Oh yeah, cover. of course. But um, I guess in my line of work too, when I'm writing about video games, like I'm just gonna always have things spoiled for me, right? Like I've never played Elden Ring and I've written so many articles on Elden Ring and I probably know the whole story from the back of my hand. So it's like, if I played it, I'm not going to have surprises. It's just something you have to deal with in your field of work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's absolutely, it's just, it's fine. I'm going to get the game. Of course, I've never missed an NHL game besides like since I started playing since, I don't know what I have NHL 10, maybe or 11. Yeah. So it's not going to stop. No shot. No shot. Frank. What, are there any new game modes or anything you know about the game yet, or are you completely blind ahead of the trailer that releases tomorrow? I'm completely blind because anything, any game modes, any new features, that's all going to be revealed in the trailer. Just like last year when X Factors were brought in, that was all revealed in the trailer. There was really no leaking. It's very hard to leak from like EA besides like cover athletes and stuff like that. But when you're talking about game modes, I mean, you're going to have your standard World of Chell, which is one of the most evolved game modes of the past three years i would say um of course you'll have be a pro franchise mode which surprisingly a lot of people play franchise mode when the game's focused around online um and obviously one of their big, biggest money makers and one of the things they focus on most is hockey ultimate team right that's the reason they took out uh -huh. gm connected uh years ago was they wanted to put more focus in hockey ultimate team which is where the money's at you know people are buying packs and I'm hoping one of these years GM Connected comes back. I think we're long overdue. I think they could easily add it into the game mode and put more focus on the other game modes if they want. But um, I'm really excited for this reveal. I really am. I'm hoping to see something new, something big. We'll see. I'll be tuning in for sure. The cover athlete was released at 10 a.m. today, and I had a feeling it would be 10 a.m. So at 9.59, we were texting about it. As soon as it was 10 o'clock and you text me quack, 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 well, I was already looking at the photo because I, I went to their Twitter right at 10 o'clock. And uh, I think it's going to be the same case scenario tomorrow with the reveal trailer. I cannot wait. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> I got that. Shout out Nick Wayne. Whenever the Ducks would do something, we would just text each other quack, quack, quack. I, there, there was a stretch there where every single time they scored a goal, quack, 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 quack. That's actually I, really I like the Anaheim Ducks. I like California hockey, so I'm all in on this game. Frank, I love those jerseys, too. Oh, me too. And we we do got to wonder really quick if those orange Mighty Ducks jerseys are going to be their full-time home jerseys next season because they're if you go to Anaheim Ducks' PR, they're starting to take photos of guys wearing the white version of it. And, of course, you remember the reverse – or not the reverse retro. They had a an alternate jersey that was the same jersey – but with the light blue and purple, which is the old Mighty Ducks from back in the day when it was Timu Solani and Paul Correa and guys like that. So Anaheim Ducks, they went through like a – I would say the entire Getz, and Perry era was wasted on in terms of jerseys. It wasn't wasted. They made it to conference finals and won a Stanley Cup. Like it wasn't wasted in terms of on-ice product. 
it was a waste in terms of jerseys. Getzlaff and Perry got kind of screwed because Anaheim has such potential to be wearing cool shit. And the black jersey with the weird duck D, I hated that. We want the Mighty Ducks. Well, that's what we want. They don't have to call them the Mighty Ducks. They've only they. I'm pretty sure they won the Stanley Cup the year after they changed their name from the Mighty Ducks to the Ducks. This isn't a Disney movie. You don't have to call them the <laughs> Mighty Ducks. Just you just gotta look like the Mighty Ducks. You could still be just the Ducks. That's fine. But before we end period number two, Frank, I want to gather your thoughts if there's any other gaming news that you think the folks watching need to know about right now. Well, one of the most popular games right now, Multiverses, that has just been on an absolute high. I think they surpassed 20 million players. It's been super, super successful. They're comparing it to being more successful than Elden Ring right now, um, which obviously Elden Ring kind of died out. But it's probably a very good chance of winning game of the year. I would say, but multiverses that that's a game right of up our alley. Uh, it's free to play. So if anybody wants to play it or give it a whirl, it's like super smash bros, but you can play it on Xbox. You can play it on the PC. Um, also PGA tour 2k 23 will be coming out this October. Tiger woods is back on a video game cover for the first time since 2014. So all your tiger woods fans, you could pre-order now get some extra tiger woods gear for your character. And also, if you pre-order PGA Tour 2K23 right now, you will have the opportunity to play as the GOAT, Michael Jordan, which I thought was a little weird. I don't know we why. We love golf. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, that's the only reason why I could think of it. You could, get, you could play as Michael Jordan. I mean, I know you're a golfing guy. You like golf. You like to follow it. And PGA Tour is on its way. Also... Gotham Knights. We got a sick new trailer from Gamescom 2022. Gotham Knights featured Harley Quinn and, and Clayface as main villains. That'll be coming in October. Everybody expected October 25th, but they announced it'll be coming out four days earlier on October 21st. Hogwarts Legacy. That trailer. Because now we have... It, it's been delayed. We've gotten... It's been... It, it originally was announced in 2020. Got delayed. We thought it was going to come out holiday this year. Got delayed. It's coming out in February, February 10th, I believe it is. I am so excited for that game like no other. Like, that's a day one for me. I watched the, the newest trailer from Gamescom. If you haven't seen it, Vin, it is insane. Did you see it? Oh, yeah. It taught it, the dark arts. Yep. They they were, uh, what's that guy? Salazar uh, Slytherin. Slytherin, yep. I, I just think it's so cool. It is the cool. The amount of depth that they're going to have. Like, There's never been a good Harry Potter game. I All think the Harry Potter games blow. I think this is going to blow it out of the water. I'm not even kidding. I have chills on my legs right now talking about it because while it's not directly related to the Harry Potter films, right? They still took input from JK Rowling and I don't think it's going to connect in any way, but there will be Easter eggs that probably allude to stuff that's happened in the world. So while, like I said, it's How not going to be. Salazar right. Slytherin invented the house. Right. And put the chamber of secrets inside of Hogwarts. I think that it is going to connect more often than people think, but yeah. it's just not going to connect to the movies. It's going to be like more of a prequel, you know? Yeah. I, okay. I get that. I, it's in the universe. Like it's you're not going to hear about Harry Potter. No, but and I, I don't, mean, but, I, but I don't necessarily know if it's canon either. It might not be canon, but. Cause then technically yeah. it's not in the universe, right? Yeah, I guess. But if Salazar Slytherin is involved, Salazar Slytherin is basically the reason for the entire second movie. And, and you know, he gets dummied by that book from Voldemort because it was because of the Chamber of Secrets. Tom Riddle is the heir of Slytherin and the entire freaking series is based on Tom Riddle. And and if we find out like 
more about Salazar Slytherin and we find out his background, then how can it not be canon? Yeah. Like, I, wonder, that up? I wonder if he'll have interaction with Godric Gryffindor, Ruino Ravenclaw, or um, Hel- Helen Helena Hufflepuff, I think her name is. They're the OG four students at Hogwarts. Hence the classes or the groups you get put in. Yeah. Right. Um, difficult. Very difficult. I am so excited. I haven't been excited for a game that's not like an NHL or a Call of Duty or just this is a completely side game. It's the only game in the franchise. I haven't been excited for a game solo like this in a while. I mean, think about it. Probably Elden Ring because there was so much hype for Elden Ring and it was like, oh, is it going to be like kind of Lord of the Rings based? Maybe, but I, I think this game is just going to explode. Because if you if you think about it, what else games are like that besides like Elden Ring? I, Assassin's Creed doesn't count. It's already got its series. This is like a one-of-a-kind series. And for I'll leave you off on this note. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is going to be an absolute banger. It's a oh. must. For all the Call of Duty fans who have been let down with Vanguard or previous Call of Duties or Call of Duty Modern Warfare from 2019, give the series one more chance. I really think Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is just going to blow people out of the water. I could be wrong because the Call of Duty critics are insane, right? They don't take any shit. They, they're like very, very strict in what they like. We've learned about uh, – I thought this was a cool idea. If you pre-order the game, VP, you get the campaign a week earlier. That I think that's great marketing because when the game comes out, nobody wants to play the campaign. Everybody wants to play multiplayer, but beat the campaign a week earlier and you're set for the multiplayer. I thought that was tremendous marketing. Museum, Grand Prix, Farm 18 Training Facility are three confirmed maps for core. Serif Bay and Saeed are two uh, battle maps. I don't know what that means. Obviously, they haven't released anything about what battle maps will be. And Hydro, Fishtown, and Zero will be ground war maps. Those are confirmed maps that are will be in the uh, – or Hydro, not Hydra. Hydro. Fishtown and Sierra uh, will be ground war maps that are confirmed in the game. And also, for anybody wondering, I know it's a common question asked every single year. Will it have zombies? Will there be spec ups? Stuff like that. They're moving away from that this year. There's not going to be any spec ups. There's not going to be any zombies. They're doing something else new. Um, it's referred to as DMZ, which if you're familiar with Escape from Tarkov, that type of game, it's going to be a mode similar to that. So not quite like a Battle Royale game, but kind of like a Battle Royale game. It's, it's just got its own take on it. They're completely moving in a different direction this year. So I'm excited. I have a question. Go ahead. Battle maps. What are they called again? Um, so you got core, your core maps, which the way I'm taking this, because there's been no other information about it. So the way I'm, it's just like core. When you play core and multiplayer, Core and hardcore. Yeah, so that would just be your museum, Grand Prix, Farm 18, training facility. So those are three. Obviously, there's going to be more. There's not going to just be met, but those are the confirmed ones. Then, what you asked, Serif Bay, Serif Bay, and Saeed are battle maps. I don't know what that means. I think I know what it might mean. I mean, I have a guess. What if it's it's like Battle Royale? Like, that's the new war zone. Oh, that could be, actually. Yeah, like Warzone maps. Skylar thinks that battle maps will be like for big team types, but no, I don't. I don't know necessarily because that's what Ground Wars for. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going. That's what I was going to say too. Isn't that what Ground Wars for with like eighteen people? 
and it is v nine. But like, I, I assume like, yeah, okay, Warzone two coming out two weeks later. I guess maybe they're just sticking with Warzone. Maybe there's like a little internal battle royale within the game. Maybe that that's the DMZ I was telling you about. Because that's like a battle royale style game. It's not exactly like that, but you still go out and you still hunt down your enemies. But you also have you have a goal. Your goal of uh, like an escape from Tarkov type of game is not to be the last one standing. It's to survive in this world. So if you see other people, you could like eliminate them. But it's also like you have an, an end goal. Like you got to escape, or you know what I mean, stuff yeah. like that. It's not like it's not like Warzone, which is basically no. Call of Duty's version of Fortnite, where you just have to be the last one standing. Absolutely, completely on polar opposites. It's it's so different. Hence yeah. why they're releasing with Warzone too. Which I wrote an article. I I broke some of the news when it first was leaked. There was an image leaked from Activision about the date of Warzone coming out two weeks later. Obviously, Skyler heard about the leak. Skyler's um, a big Call of Duty fan. He heard about the leak. Obviously, he shit. I wrote about it as soon as I saw it, but it the the date wasn't supposed to be released. But it said on the sheet that it would be coming out two weeks after the release of MW Two, and we had had no reason not to believe it because it had the date of all the other popular games that were coming out. It had the date of Overwatch Two, which was correct, October fourth. It had the date of Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two correctly on there. So, and we just, everybody assumed that two weeks later would be the release of Warzone 2. We have no reason not to believe it. All right. There you go. There you go. I like it. Kind of rambled on there, but. No, I wanted it. That's why I wrote it down. I wanted Frankie. Anything Frankie may know, other gaming news. I just, I just did the big ones. Yeah. I mean, and for the more stories on the non-big ones and expansion on the big ones, you could check out Frankie's work at apptrigger.com and you could follow him on Twitter at the King Bean, Frank, let's head on over to period number three. I got some big questions for you. Do you? Welcome to period three. I wrote down Thrones prequel review and She-Hulk review. I, I didn't fall asleep during Thrones. I started getting heavy-eyed, so I turned it off, and I'm going to finish it tonight. So I'll have reviews, uh, spoiler-free reviews, of that and episode two next week on Bar Down. Had a crazy week. And same thing with She-Hulk. Oh, so you didn't watch She-Hulk? I haven't gotten to She-Hulk yet, but I know that's an easy watch. I can give a, a spoiler-free review on She-Hulk. Go ahead. Um, well, first of all, I'll talk about Thrones. We'll fill the slot because I know you were, we were going to talk about Thrones. I finished season one of Game of Thrones. I cannot believe I'm not going to say stuff because, I mean... I don't want to spoil anything. I know season one came out in 2011, but I'm not a dick. And I, I feel like I could still give a, a pretty good um, review of it. Season one was really good. Definitely wasn't su- expecting some stuff to happen that happened in episode nine. Welcome to Thrones. Um, I agree with you. Don't get attached to too many characters. It's, that's what you told me. And I, I really, really liked it. And I think from like episode six onward, it start to got really, really good. And I can't wait for the, the what the rest of the uh, the series will hold. I do got to ask you something on the Thrones prequel, though. You said you started it, right? Yeah, I'm like 20 minutes in and it's very, very good so far. Very, I, very good so far. But it was 2.10 in the morning and or not 2.10. It was like 1.50. I'm like, oh, boy. I heard that the opening scene is like very gory like very like messed up is this there, true there's one scene early in that's very messed up yeah like it's very like crazy like yeah okay 
Because that's what I heard. Yeah, it focuses in on the House Targaryen. Which they're nuts from what I've seen from the first season of Game of Thrones. They're, they're nuts. Mad. They're nuts pre-Game of Thrones. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Game of Thrones basically just has like one or two members left trying to like reclaim what was theirs, a.k.a. Right. The Iron Throne. Which it's going to be a while before I watch it because I got seven other seasons to finish before I start it. Yeah. Um, as far as She-Hulk goes, I love She-Hulk. Anybody who's shitting on the CGI is just, come on. Grow up. Grow up. If freaking Dylan likes it and he doesn't care about the CGI, then you just got to get over it. Our buddy Dylan, like you, he would be honest with you. You know how he critiques things. I mean, I really like the way she looked as She-Hulk. It has a lot of connections to the Marvel Universe as a whole. And I think that's what fans have been waiting for is that series that's not just, you know, we're going to show you an origin of how you became, but also a, a movie that really connects it to the rest of the universe. I think that's why so many people liked Loki because Loki has such a key feature in the, the rest of the multiverse. That started the multiverse. And not only is this a key element in the current Marvel phase, but I'm telling you, it, it relates to so many other characters, past and present. It was a fantastic first episode, and I cannot wait to watch episode two tomorrow. That's exciting. I mean, I'm all in on the Marvel shows. Um, I would rather have Mark Ruffalo be in the show and the animation be a little worse than have Avatar-level animation and no Mark Ruffalo because they can't afford him. Right. Like I, I just people don't understand that there are budgets and some highly touted actors are expensive and you're either getting Mark Ruffalo or good CGI. I mean, pick one. Now, let me tell you, like this. I really didn't see it that I don't want to say something for you, but, you know, you know about Mark Ruffalo, like, you know, he's probably going to be in the show. No, I do know he's in the show. Okay, so yeah, so that's not a spoiler. Well, semi-spoiler, you see him in the first episode, and his CGI is not bad at all. People no. are complaining about her CGI, which it's fine. It's not that bad. You get past it. She's not really a Hulk in real life. You got to get over it. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. I know there are references to a lot of different things that go on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'm very much looking forward to it. And... and also, because the original Hulk with what was his name? Uh, Norton something. Ed Edward Norton. Norton. Edward Ed Norton. Norton. That got a lot of hate, and it's like one of the most hated Marvel movies in the universe. So I think doing She-Hulk right, doing it in this thing, is really going to just they're going to it's going to change the minds of people about Hulk. I think it was really good. I can't wait for you to watch it. Hell yeah! All right, Frank. There's some there's some shit going on. Big Brother <laughs> Season 24 is getting as spicy as it possibly can be. Um, the house is now divided into two separate groups. One is inside, one is outside. No spoilers to those who aren't caught up. But, Frank, eh, screw it. If you're, not, if you're watching Big Brother and you haven't watched up to date through Sunday. It's been three days. Turn off Bar Down now. Okay. What the H is Kyle doing? All right. So what did I tell you? Things would get spicy once. Now we're getting like the playoffs portion of the, the season. Because once you hit jury, it's like a different ball game now. We're talking um, about playoffs? Yeah. So Playoffs? I think Kyle 
he's he's not a complete idiot, right? I had this question asked to me already by somebody else what I thought of what Kyle would do. If I was in Kyle's shoes and I thought I needed to like make sure I was safe because with this twist, there's not too many people that are safe. I would uh I would have I blo- I would have blown up the game too. I just think he went about it the wrong way because word's going to get out, right? I think Turner already has an inkling about it. Word's going to get out that he spilled the beans. Kyle even said, I'm going to have to deal with the consequences when I go in. They might save him to their final seven, but he's first up on the pecking order then. I just think there were so many other ways to go about it. He just blatantly came out and was telling everybody, or just tell one person, right? Like, tell Alyssa, but not necessarily tell uh, Terrence. I get why he did it because he doesn't want Alyssa to go home, but he's more aligned with Alyssa than the leftovers, which Easily. which I think from a game perspective is dumb. Would you rather be aligned with six other people or one person? Yeah, they might get like married. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if that's what you wanted out of his brain. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you wanted out of the game, sure. But I know if I was on the show, I'm on there to make seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And I just don't, I don't know if that was the right time to do it. I think if you're going to take a shot at the leftovers, you got to be in the leftovers. I would have mad respect if like Turner went up there and put up uh, Joseph or Monty. And I'm like, wow, he's taking the first big shot at the leftovers. But now Terrence like made that big move on Kyle's behalf. And it's like, if, if Kyle makes it to the end, well, Kyle, why do you deserve to win the $750,000? What was your big move? Is he going to say, well, I went to Terrence and I told them to put up uh like, come on. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily agree with it because I think it's very rare that you have an alliance that big make it to the end and be super successful. So I, I felt like the cards were on, the, the writing was on the wall, like it was coming eventually. But Michael set up himself very well to win this game. Yeah, Michael's my pick. I want your opinion pick. too on the, the whole thing. Well, I'm indifferent on the Kyle thing because I think it could go one way or the other for me. Like if – If someone on the leftovers gets sent home from the outside group, they're going to want to know the inside group's (laughs) going to want to know what happened. And they're going to eventually figure out that it was Kyle. So it's up to him to keep winning vetoes and keep winning competitions, maybe be HOH and explain himself for why he did it. And to save himself, he doesn't have to make the showman's be known to the people inside. He could say it was either me or him. And I played my game for me. Um. Yeah, I I would have let the veto play out before I tell everyone that, but you know it is what it is, and we're gonna see what happens there. I agree with you that Michael is the favorite to become the champion because his final two it's unreal is Brittany, who has done less than nothing. I know. <laughs> I think if she did nothing, she would have did more than what she's done. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and and if Michael knows that he wants the the weakest person to go up there with him to final two, and if it's Michael who has a million championships for HOH class <laughs> veto under his belt and a good social game and just the way he's played and presented himself against Brittany who has done nothing, any voter on the jury with any integrity whatsoever would vote for Michael over Brittany and he would win Big Brother. Nobody talks about him. Nobody talks about targeting him. It is absolutely insane. I'm stunned. If I was in the house, open up your eyes. He's the first time 
or he's the first player this year who's won multiple HOHs. He's won like three vetoes. I mean, what are they? Are they? Are we not seeing something that they are, or what? What's going on? I have no idea. And I was you, looking. I looked up the contestants on online a couple of days ago. He's an attorney. He's good. Like, he. I don't think anybody in the house knows he's an attorney either. Which he definitely knows how to plead his case. I can't really imagine his him putting on like imagine a, being a suit and like representing someone in the court of law. Imagine if he was like representing you and you're sitting there next to Michael. I'm like, this guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, that's an interesting thing. There are two big brother contestants from this season that don't go by their first name. Who are they? Turner. You knew that about Turner? That's the surprise to me. It's Matthew. It's Matthew Turner. Yeah. And Pooch. And, and Pooch. Yeah. yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, I knew it was Matthew. I had no I thought his first name was Turner. No, no, no. That's his last name. Yeah. Turner can be a first name. Absolutely. But but I mean if you think about it, Trey Turner, Timmy Turner. I mean it's more <laughs> often it's more often a last name, right? It is more often a last name. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I've I've heard people with the first name of Turner. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank on any Turners I know first name though. But there definitely has been across life. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, do you agree that Terrence made like probably the biggest move of the season by putting up Joseph and Turner? Yes. I was stunned. My jaw was on the floor. I'm like, wow, he's firing shots. Turner doesn't want to be looked at as a uh, Brittany and have done nothing. He wants to make moves, and he's the Chicago guy. Yeah, I mean, I still think he has no chance to win, but he has no a better, shot. He has a better chance to win after last week than he did before. Oh yeah, his odds definitely probably went up, but he yeah. has no shot of winning. No yeah. way. I think Joseph and Jasmine are fucked. Justin Turner. Justin Turner. Red Santa Claus. Skylar, do me a favor. Search up Turners with first name. Famous Turners with first name. Yeah, I don't know why. Because like, there's Tina Turner. Exactly. I mean. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe we're tweaking. No, there's got to be a famous Turner out there. I feel like I met someone like maybe. Turner McGill or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I I was thinking along the same Turner Mick something. Yeah. I, like that was what came to my mind too. It's like maybe there is, and we're yeah. just subconsciously not thinking of it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's Big Brother. Make sure you watch tonight. There's the veto competition tomorrow. Is the live eviction, double eviction. Can't wait. Frank, we already previewed week zero of the college football season in the open. So is there anything about the NFL you're super excited about after week two of the preseason coming to a close on Monday night? Honestly, nothing specific. I just want the season to get underway. I'm tired of watching preseason football. Let's go. Let's get those starters out there. Let's see what we got. Let's get them rivalries flowing. Let's let's get the those fiery matchups going. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the starters, according to Matt Eberflus, are going to play the entire first. Oh, Turner Stevenson. Yep. 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 See, there you go. Um, the bears are going to play their starters for most of the first half, if not all of the first half, depending on how they do, according to coach Matt Eberflus. Um, I'm excited. There are some feisty matchups to start the season too. I'm interested to see who starts at quarterback for the Steelers because I heard it might not be Mitch. It's either going to be Mitch or Pickett. It might I be mean, Pickett. It might be Pickett. But I noticed on Twitter today the Steelers put 
a video of Mitch talking to the press and they put QB Mitch Trubisky talks about so-and-so. Every team in the league puts starting QB blank blank for their it thing. It might be Pickett. It, it might not, though. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, Katie makes a great point. Terrence thinks he's so smart and he knows nothing. He does know nothing, but he's learning. He is learning. He's well, learning. now he knows kind of everything when spilled the beans about the leftovers. I still That's think a big, he I still doesn't know everything. He's the second most clueless person in the house. Who would you say the clueless is, Jasmine? Jasmine. She is just. I mean, she don't she even needs know. That, to go. She don't even know that the sun is a star. I mean, she is just really. She's annoying me too. Yes. She's she, annoying Turner too. I know. <laughs> It's hilarious. It really is. And everybody hates the showmance. Like on Twitter. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, that's Big Brother. That's the NFL. I do want to preview tomorrow's episode of Crosstown Crosstalk is going to be very exciting. I have Josh Nelson of Sox Machine coming on. I'm very excited to talk about the Chicago White Sox and how much of a disaster they've been in the last week after winning five in a row. And really taking a poop in the division. The Minnesota Twins have also been taking a poop. And the Cleveland Guardians have been running away with it lately. It would take a massive, massive turnaround for the White Sox to get it done at this point. Um, Two games left in Baltimore. Lucas Giolito on the mound tonight. We will recap it all on Crosstown Crosstalk tomorrow. And preview a big series over the weekend against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Your boy will be there on Saturday night. Hopefully it's not a funeral. Um, because it very well might be a funeral for the White Sox by Saturday, depending on how they and the Guardians do between now and then, but they are running out of time. Dylan Cease has been magnificent. He gave up a multi-home run, a multi-run home run yesterday for the first time since May, which is just he gave up a home run with a runner on base for the first time in three months. I feel like every pitcher in the league has given up at least one home run with a man on base since May. Dylan Cease yesterday gave up a big bomb. Um, Baltimore's good, man. Baltimore is pretty they're, – they're not, like, good, but they're good. And they have now, according to MLB prospect – or pipeline, the number one farm system in Major League Baseball. And that's after Adley Rushman got removed from the list. So we're going to talk about all of that on Crosstown Crosstalk tomorrow. We'll go in depth about the Cubs jumping from the number 18th farm system to the number 10 farm system. The last time the Cubs had a top 10 farm system, they turned it into a World Series. So we will see what is able to happen with that. And I'm so excited to go over all 30 teams and their prospect farms tomorrow, Crosstown Crosstalk at 2 p.m. Frank, it is time for America's favorite segment of the week, Breaking Bets. Where's my money, bitch? I just watched, I've already watched season one in whole, but it was pre-COVID with Joey of Better Call Saul. Um, Katie puts a W when I say one nice thing about the Cubs. See, this is why I don't say nice things about them. I'm just kidding. Um, Better Call Saul. I rewatched episode one of the first season yesterday because I really want to start, or two days ago, because I really want to start watching it. And man, it was good. So if you're a Breaking Bad fan, 
watch Better Call Saul. There are nuggets for you as a Breaking Bad fan. It is clearly going somewhere really sweet. You have characters that you know very well right off the bat. There's even a moment right at the end where when you're watching it, you go. So I highly recommend. That is my next show that I will be starting after Game of Thrones. I can't start too many shows, though. I got a lot on my plate. No, I get it. I do, too. I do, too. Um, but definitely when I finish Thrones, that'll be my next show that's not like Marvel, Star Wars related. Because the, the way I do it is I got my shows I watch on regular television. I got my Star Wars show, my Marvel show, and then my side show, like Game of Thrones. So right now I'm rocking Game of Thrones, I'm rocking Clone Wars, and I'm rocking She-Hulk with along my other shows. When like She-Hulk ends, then I start like the next Marvel thing. Or when Clone Wars ends, I'll start my next Star Wars thing. So when Game of Thrones ends, I'll start breaking bets. And each or sport, breaking bets, breaking bets. And each sport is like a show too. You got the Major League Baseball show. There's 30 teams playing 162 games. What's going to happen? Who's going to make the playoffs? Absolutely. Who's going to win MVP? Who's going to win Cy Young? NFL. There's 32 teams playing 17 games. You know who's who's going to win the AFC West? Is going to be the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Chargers? The Raiders, I guess, are in conversation. Who's going to win the NFC North? The Packers or the Vikings? There are so many stories within the leagues that it's almost like a TV show for itself. So right now, you're watching the MLB TV show, and there's the preview for the NFL coming up a month after that. It's going to be hockey that starts. Basketball's right around the corner as well. So it's all these TV shows combined together. It's hard to watch a lot of shows. So I'm right there with you. Right now, I'm doing. we're doing Better Call Saul. Big Brother Counts. Yeah. You forgot, you didn't even mention that. Well, that's my normal just cable television. Oh, show. okay, yeah. Big Brother Counts. Uh, you're watching Thrones. I mean, She-Hulk. There's a lot. Yeah, there's and a Clone whole. Wars. I'm grinding yeah. through Clone Wars. Yep. I'm almost done with season three. So. Yep, absolutely. So um, that's on me. Where's my money, bitch? Well, you're going to like my first one. I uh, I really like the White Sox tonight against the Baltimore Orioles. You got Giolito versus Watkins. The Orioles... Stole a game, the first game, five to three. I wouldn't say steal, but I mean, I these, would. Are the, these, these are the games you got to win, VP, if you want the White Sox to be in contention. I mean, they're right there. The White Sox had 11 hits, only scored three runs. The Orioles had five hits, scored five runs. Exactly. So, I mean, That's stealing. Okay. They stole the game. I, I'll stick with what I said. The White Sox money line, they're minus 114. I think this is a big, big opportunity for the White Sox. They can't, they can't afford to lose this game. They got Giolito going. Giolito and Watkins, in terms of their performance this season, have been very familiar. I think with the Orioles winning game one, this is a perfect, perfect spot for the White Sox to steal game two. And ultimately, it's a must. You can't keep losing these games, honestly. If the White Sox plan on making it to October, these are games you're going to have to win. And I think that they dig deep tonight and pull it out. I really do. So White Sox minus 114. Second pick. You got the Diamondbacks and the Royals. It's a, it's a, a series that doesn't mean a single thing. Both teams are going nowhere. I mean, the series means jack shit. The game means shit. But let's have a little fun. Let's roll the dice a little bit. Gallon's going against Singer. Great pitching. Um, and with the game meaning nothing, I'm just going to side with the team that I think just has, has been playing a little bit better lately. Got the better pitcher of the two. I'm going to go with the Diamondbacks at minus 123. I don't know if this is necessarily a trap game because I the Diamondbacks should be favored a little bit more with their best pitcher on the mound. But then again, both teams stink. So I think that's why it's not really a trap. 
I think minus 123 is fair. Just go with the better matchup. It, it's a little fun. I mean, you're going to have all these series that matter. You know, you're going to have these stressful series like the White Sox are having. All these games matter or the Mariners. And But it's just, you know, once in a while, I just want to watch a game that doesn't mean anything, but it can still have fun. It still counts towards your stats. Take the Diamondbacks at minus 123. This last pick. I mean, I need you all to buckle in a little bit. This is going to be, this is a big one. There's a big risk involved here. Huge. Don't do it if, you know, you've been on a little bit of a losing streak. You're going to have to really strap in and really want to really want to do this one. The Reds are playing the Phillies. The Phillies are huge, huge favorites in this game. We're talking like mid-twos or like minus 230s, 240s. I think the Reds plus one and a half, is, it was just singing to me. I saw it. It was just, I don't know. You could take the Reds plus one and a half, and the line is still plus 102. You're still getting more than what you bet with at getting a run and a half. You got, I think his name is Zook, Z-E-U-C-H. Zuch is pitching for the Reds. He blows. He is like absolutely terrible. He has given up, I think he's pitched in two games, and in each start, he's given up six runs for the Reds. But there's just something about it. Something sweet. The Phillies took the first two games of the series. I'm not, I'm not that big of a fan of Sanchez. I think that the Reds could steal game three. I'm feeling it. I'll take the run and a half plus 102. You're getting extra money for it. And you got the barrier of having that extra run. They lost seven six yesterday. Maybe they'll lose by one today or even win the game. So those are my picks for you. That's what I got. Very interesting picks. Very interesting. I I don't think I know anything about sports, really. Most people who know a lot about sports suck at betting. I suck at betting. I you said the opposite of what I thought you were going to say in all three of those baseball games. <laughs> really? Normally we're 50-50. I, I I agree on half, I disagree on half, which that's kind of how sports works. That's why shows like this exist because you agree on about half the things. You went 0 for 3 on my thoughts. And wow. you might be right. I suck. I'm stupid, dumb, dumb person right here. Going in, you picked the other team in all three matchups for me. Wow. Yeah. We'll see. For some reason, this Reds plus one and a half, I don't know. This pitcher for the Reds sucks. There's just something telling me that they could keep it closer, maybe even win. They don't have to win. They could lose by one, and you still win. So, Yeah. The only time I like am so confident is when I call something a Vinny Parisi guarantee. Vinny Parisi guarantees are 3-0 and in the calendar year of 2022. The Are there Rangers, any AP guarantees with these picks? The Rangers, the game seven over the Hurricanes, the 49ers against the um, Packers, and there was a Rams one. I can't remember which team. It wasn't the Buccaneers. I thought the Buccaneers were going to win that game. It was the Rams game before that. I forget who it would have been against. I don't remember. And uh, it was that Rams game. Vinny Parisi guarantees are 3-0 and this year. So I only make them rarely, and it's when I'm so sure about something. And a lot of the times it's a hot take that I truly believe in. But, yeah, I don't have any Vinny Parisi guarantees right now. Um, I have my hot takes. The Broncos win the West. At minimum, make the playoffs unless the Chiefs go on a run. Um, The Vikings winning the North. Obviously, I'm not Vinny Parisi guaranteeing any of those things. But, man, I was watching the Minnesota Vikings. I'm thinking about some of those players they have on their offense. And I'm like... Yep, Skyler's right. 
it was the Rams against the Cardinals. Me and Joey argued. We screamed at each other. Remember, mm-hmm. jo- Joey was a complete moron about the, the Cardinals. Did we watched that game together here. We might have. I think Joey we showed did. up after his hockey game. Yep, we did. And by the time he got there, the Cardinals were already getting. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one idiot. When I, and that's the thing. When I throw a Vinny Parisi guarantee on something. I get like kind of mean about it. Like I think anybody who disagrees with a Vinny Parisi guarantees like an idiot, like a dumb. <laughs> like I get kind of like, like what do you mean you think the Cardinals are going to beat the Rams or you you think the Packers are going to win a, a big playoff game at Lambeau against the 49ers? What? The 49ers have the second best roster in the NFL behind the Bills. The only thing that might keep them from making it to the Super Bowl is if Trey Lance is only okay or worse than okay. They're making a mistake not starting Jimmy G with that roster. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another VP hot take. That's another VP hot take. Matthew Stafford was one of my better takes. I mean, I got plenty of bad takes. I love our takes against each other. Yeah, the Browns blew me last year. Um. That might be like my worst take in the last five years. That might have been my best take. <laughs> yeah, you nailed that one. Even though the funny thing about that, though, you were in the minority on that. That's okay. No, I know. I, like, I'd rather be in the minority and right without question. But like, everyone thought the Browns were going to be good. All Baker Mayfield needed to do was just be average, be the 15th best quarterback. And you in know, the and that's the way I feel about the Broncos this year. And I'm in the minority again, but I'm, I'm ready for this ride. Yeah, I mean, the only difference there for me is Russell Wilson versus Baker Mayfield. True. I mean, Russell Wilson's going to have a statue outside of Seattle, and he's they're going to retire number three, and he's going to go to the Hall of Fame, and he's going to be the best short quarterback who ever lived. And, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of – like, I see the Broncos like the Rams. The Vikings are like the Browns. I compare that pre- prediction where like average 15th, 16th, 17th best quarterback on a team that's supposed to be really good. Can that quarterback get them above Baker Mayfield was unable to Ken Kirk cousins to hey, me, the Broncos, the Broncos are like the Rams. They're an elite roster that added an elite quarterback. My, I, I have a newfound worry with the Broncos that I'm coming to after the last two weeks or so I'm still sticking with my Broncos make the playoffs pick. But they've had some injuries on offense. But their offensive line is great. Russell Wilson has what's-his-name from the Packers as his offensive coordinator. Now I think they're going to score a lot of points, and they have a really good defense. So I'm excited, man. Sports are awesome. Can't I can't imagine not liking sports. I watch a ton of them. And Literally. people are probably like, I can't believe you're watching another game. And yeah, I watch man. all of them. It's- I wake up in the morning, and, of course, my – girlfriend my family and my friends are the most important thing to me in the world but besides that it's like what sports am i going to watch next mm-hmm. you know when, when's the next football game you know what, what's the white Sox lineup today and it's all content related too you know what did matt eberflew say today that i can write about uh the cubs and the white Sox each released their schedule and mlb pipeline put out the prospects for the last you know for every team which the MLB schedule is another thing we're going to talk about tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk. Every team in the MLB is playing every team in the MLB for the first time ever. That's exciting. I'm excited, yeah, for sure. 
Um, I mean, how many times do I need to watch the White Sox play the Royals or the Twins or the Guardians or the Tigers? How many times do you want to see the Cubs play the Brewers or the Pirates or the Reds, excuse me, or the Cardinals? Yeah, those games matter, but like, I don't know. I'm excited to see everyone play everyone. I'm going to get to see the White Sox play the Diamondbacks this weekend in person. But then next year I'll get to see it again, like instead of waiting for six years. Right. Like it, it's just going to be really cool. I'm excited about it big time. So, Frank, do you have anything left on your shoulders that you want to get off real quick? Not really. I think that's about it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mentioned to Katie earlier today that I believe this is our third to last or second to last summer hockey show where we yeah. talk about mostly things that aren't hockey. I mean, preseason will be starting soon. So, yeah, I believe rookies will show up in like two weeks, three weeks. So that should be exciting. I think there are seven show or six shows now left until puck drop, which it kind of blows. The season starts on a Tuesday, I believe. So we'll recap those games on the first season's episode. Um, but this is going to be the third NHL season of bar down talking hockey. We we were mid COVID shortened the year before, not after COVID, like after the bubble. This will be my first full one. Yeah, exactly. So, and in, in last year, Joey and I previewed each division leading up, and that was a period, and we had one whole period dedicated to fantasy hockey based on position. So like this week where this period is dedicated to fantasy hockey goalies. I hear you. So we're, yeah. we're going to do that this year again, because people seem to like it and it's going to be a good time. Can't wait. We're almost there. Absolutely. We're almost there. I hope everybody's enjoying their summer. Fall is right around the corner. Of course, when fall comes right around the corner, you want to be talking hockey with Bardown, talking hockey. You want to be talking playoff baseball with the South Burbs, Hitmen, and Crosstown Crosstalk. And of course, with football, you have plenty of huge football shows across the Barroom Network, talking Chicago Bears, NFL, everything in between. It's going to be so much fun. Make sure you are tuned in and following at Barroom Network on Twitter. For Frankie, you can follow at The King Bean on Twitter. For me, you could follow at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. As always, not a happy landing. Thank you for listening.